Today's episode of Braze Bits is brought to you by Burger King's Chicken Fries. Hey, Larry Nance, have you ever looked at a chicken and thought to yourself, hey, I bet that chicken would rather be a fry? BK Chicken Fries, all white chicken meat with the courage to be French fries. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? It was a bird. Now it's chicken fries. Burger King's chicken is the new potato. You say potato, I say chicken fries. The kicker of the Sam of the Jets is Sam Ficken, and he ain't no chicken, but he's a finger licking guy. Burger King, come and get it. It being the chicken fries. We got some breeze bits. We got some breeze bits. They're coming in hot, so ready or not for breeze bits. Mmm, bits. Wow, it's an old advertisement. Good, good for Burger King chicken fries to be back. An oldie but a goodie. I had to bring it back. Just unbelievable copy by the chicken fries. You had to bring it back, or Burger King paid us again. I reached out. I wanted to see if Burger King wanted to come back with a mix to be an advertiser, and they they agreed. And I said, "Do you want to use the same copy?" And they said, "Copy that, Roger that, Roger Federer." Did you paste? I paste. Like copy and paste. You know how like the I, internet. Or I usually cut computer. I usually cut. I'm more of a cut guy. I don't pay. I don't copy. I cut. See. So cut and paste. What does that even mean? You copy and paste. I cut it. You don't know you don't cut and paste. I'm a big cut guy. All I do is cut. Jay Cutler. Go, go to Michael's craft store. Making a bunch of little arts and crafts. I love I love Michael's. Do you? I scissor. I'm a lesbian. But do you love Michael's? I don't think I've ever been inside of a Michael's. That's what I thought. I could tell you it was not genuine. So I had to call you out. Hands up on me, Lance. I was just trying to uh, back it up. I, I do copy and paste. I'm, I'm on. I'm an honest man. You really backed me into a corner in the first 30 seconds. I never cut a thing in my life. All I do is copy. I wanted to knock you out. Back to you in the corner. Boxing. TKO. I'm not getting up from that, Lance. Comedy knockout. Wow. Fight club. Comedy fight club. Lance, we're roasting each other. <laughs> Have you ever done a roast? Yeah, I've roasted two people. One was, or not a roast, whatever the Roast battle? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the roast battle. I did a roast up. once for, I think it was Danny Vega's birthday. I never got that. that. Was Why good. do people want to get roasted on their birthday? It's like a thing. Would you like to get roasted on your birthday? Not really, no. I don't want to do anything on my birthday. Right. I did a show. I, I think I talked about this in May, and it was like, it was a 40th birthday party. Oh, yeah. We, it was that was fun. Roast. That was pretty fun. That kind of made sense because it was roasting everybody. It wasn't just one person. And they so asked like, for it. Then they asked for it. But I did two roast battles. And then I realized this is comedy adjacent and just seemed like, I mean, all of comedy is like taking advantage of comics, but this seemed like the lowest of it. Mm-hmm. So I roasted once Julian G, who was so funny. <laughs> and I beat him, which I was happy about. And then I lost to Drew Morgan. Who's now like a pretty successful comedian. Drew Morgan's very funny. Yeah. Where's Julian G these days? He trying to find the, the rest of his last name. The, he lives in the Rockaways. He's a MTA like train conductor and he saved someone's life. Good he was in like the the newspaper of like the transit news and he like managed to like stop the train like crazy short to, you know, someone was like fell on the tracks or something wow he's a hero that's what he's doing tyler hero that's great for him and living in the rockaways i've dreamt about living in the rockaways being a beach bum 
I'm a beach bum. I'm a baby back beach bum. Rib me. Mick rib me. Take me to McDonald's. That's not our advertiser. We're BK people. Have you ever had the Mick rib? I feel like in 1965, I might have had it once and it made me nauseous. Yeah, I never had it. I wanted to have it. It just has never come up. Maybe for your birthday. I'll roast and get you McRib. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it to the bank. Take West me to, Bank. Take me to Burger King Chicken Fries. <laughs> Lancey, I got to tell you, I am uh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of sorts. I'm, I, I don't have an equilibrium. I'm, I'm off balance. I don't have my uh, a sweetener. I went to the uh, the gym today, Lance. That's usually my place to reset, get in the get in the uh, the zone. And my Demarcus cousin shows up to the gym, and starts chatting me up. First time I've ever ran into my cousin at the gym. It's my it's my dojo. So I, I feel like I ruined my whole uh, my whole routine. I feel like I I don't even know what to do anymore. Poutine. I wish I was having some poutine. So he talked to you at the gym. Oh, I, I forgot to close out my work email. That's fine. He, he did more of a talking to me. He did a, uh, he like went right next to me and he like talked to me the entire time and like was like trying did to like, you say, Hey, I'm working here. I'm working out here. I was schwitzing. This guy, that's just, you know, that's what Drode does at the gym. Talks to people. He, yeah, he does. He, he claims he works out, but he, I've seen him. He does just like five, like extremely, he puts on like way too much weight on like the machine and he does like five very intense reps and then walks around for 20 minutes talking to people and then does it again. It's his social outing. Yeah. I told my DeMarcus cousin, this is the first time I've ever spoken to anybody inside the gym. I literally have never like spoken out loud. Maybe like listen, an excuse me. Does he listen to the pod? No, it sure doesn't. That's yeah, why I'm trashing. You won't hear this. Probably not. I had to get it out because I've been like a little I think like, that, I, I think this kind of reminds me of what the Podfather said about you not being able to handle Seidel being in the room. Sometimes things are going to get thrown at you. You got to be able to handle it. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't like that response whatsoever, Lance. Well, sometimes I, I choose. I'm. I choose to be put myself in situations where I, I, I need to have a little control over the the room and the energy. The energy at the gym. I'm listening to music. Listening to pods. At a show, if I'm slinging bits, I gotta I gotta be prepared for what's going on. I don't have to have a lurking pod nemesis <laughs> creep on me, writing feedback about my bits and the energy. I don't even get to see his face. It gives me shivers down my spine. You saw his face. You walked right by him. I just I, well, I, I walked by a lot of people. He was in your presence. You didn't feel his vibes and energy. I did feel a little evil that that night. I felt a little something way off, way off. Well, are you in a good mood because you got to see uh, your sister's puppy last week? I mean, that's a transition right into my highlight, Lance. You want to get into it? That's my highlight. You want to hear yes. about it? Well, first, I got a little meal prep that lends right into that highlight. I don't know if you saw the Braze Bits Instagram. We got a DM from top Razorback Jack Schneck. You see this? Did you hear about I this? I did not see this. Great. We get a live reaction on pod. You're going to love this so much that you're going to hate it. He sent us a meme. Love a good meme. It's a dog and a cat in the meme. Uh, the dog has a blurb next to it saying, where is our master? I'm worried. And the cat has a blurb saying, our slave is awfully late today. Oh, my God. It just, the second I saw it, it made me crack up, Lance. It really, it's really, uh, 
You got, got roasted. It. Got it, because it's like cats. That's it. I, I, I get it. Yeah. Dogs are obedient. Dogs are, you know, they're cuddle bugs. Cats are like, where, where's, our, where's the guy we're going to torture all day long? Torture me. You want to be tortured? BDSM. Yeah. Thank you, Jack Schneck, for the. Uh, the you, meme. I feel like I feel like uh, you always try to accuse me of information. Like last week, you're like you're like Phil Jackson said you like risking your life on the road. How do you feel about that? <laughs> what am I accusing you of now? <laughs> like that? Like I'm bad because I like cats. You are bad. It's a bad take. Just like I got a bad take from my my pasta take. Just like you're, you're saying, I can't handle Seidel. The pot father i'm just i'm just slinging it back in you in your court that's fine a little rally and serve a little back it's, and forth it's accusatory i could handle it i'm just i'm just I pointing did. it out you're obscuring the facts that's what i you're just, it's, a, it's a, you, you employ a drone tactic me me and drone have a lot in common yeah. we sure do you're anti-dog yeah i am anti-dog i'm not actually i'm not we talked about this last week i'm not so much anti-dog as i'm anti dog owners dogs do to people right Listen to episode 87. Listen. Joe, listen. My highlight, you, you really uh, know my body well, Lance. It was meeting my sister's puppy. She got an English bulldog puppy. Name is Winston. Winnie. Winnie the Pooh. This dog is the cutest dog I've ever seen. It's like less than 10 pounds. Looks like a, a stuffed animal. Looks like a little toy. Cute as can be. I was cuddling with it. It like... It, it has a nice little energy. It has a little played a little catch with it. Cuddle bug. It picked up my spirits. I took the uh, I took it a the ferry over from Astoria after the pod last week when I had a hard out and uh, skipped right over to the apartment in the Upper East Side. And uh, it's I think it's my new best friend, young Winston. It just it's it's a young stud. I think it's gonna be my wingman. I think Winston. I'm gonna take Winston out on the road with me. I think I'm going to start picking up some chicas with this this young pup. That's what I think. That's also like a man thing with with dogs. It's man. You can't bring a cat out. People would be like, yeah. who, who, "Who's that cat guy? Is that, who's that? Why does that guy have a cat in a leash?" Cat Galifianakis. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a dog. I'm a junkyard road dog. Yeah, that's it. That sounds good for you. It sounds like you had a nice connection. I really did. I connected. Connected four. The game. I love that game. I used to play it all the time. Fun game. And that, Fun game that has, got... has limitations. Yeah, sure. But it's quick and easy. Easy rules. Anybody could play it. A dog can play it. Dog can't play it. Cat, a cat would beat a dog at Connect Four every day. I don't think that's a debate. Let's put it up. Let's get you you pick a dog. I'll pick a cat. All right. All right. I'm gonna find the, the dumbest cat I know. I'll just find a dog and it'll still lose. <laughs> find the smartest dog and it'll still lose. We should do a dog versus cat roast battle. You got any highlights? Yeah, I do. On Saturday, I went to Coney Island. This isn't the highlight, but I went to Coney Island. I had to do some stuff for Big Apple Box and it was a long trip. I decided this was the second time in a few weeks I'd been to Coney Island. The first time I drove and I couldn't find any parking on the street. So I found a parking lot that was almost, there was like, it was like $30 for parking everywhere, but I found one of those $15. There you go. But it, the guy was, it was like on a Saturday energy. on a Saturday. Ooh. Yeah. Some of those lots. Yeah. You don't always trust those guys. 
No. So, but I was in and out. So but I didn't, I didn't like the situation. So I said, I'm just going to take the, uh, the train this time. So I, I took the train and it was, it's a long, even from Brooklyn, it's a very, it's almost an hour there. And it's, you know, it's like a 20 minute walk to get to the, the train and got there. Got, but basically I was, I was, well, I was hungry. I didn't need anything. I ate something in the morning, but this happened in, it was past lunch, you know, when you do stuff and lunchtime happens and then you're busy. So you don't eat lunch, but you're like, I got to eat lunch. Guys got to eat. Yeah. So I could have eaten in Coney Island, but I was like, eh, I don't want to be like by myself in Coney Island. It's a little crazy. And then I have to like go, come all the way back. What if I have to shit my pants? It's always a question. Yeah. So I decided to just, I was like, I'm going to get something on the walk back from, I got off at Barclays. It's like a 20 minute walk to my apartment. And I said, I'm going to just see something, you know, if I see something, I'll say something to my stomach. And, and I was walking back in Gowanus. There's this place I've been walking by and I'm always like, Oh, I'll try this one day when the time is right. Turns out the time was right. Happened to walk by it called my Cuban spot, which I don't like the name. My, you know, how, how places have like trying to get cute. Yeah. It's it's a little too cute and a little too clever. Like when bars, call themselves like another round or you know it's like real relax where'd you go my cuban spot oh yeah that's your cuban spot no that's the name of it my cuban spot yeah but it's a it's like a it's like a small place there's only outdoor seating it's almost like a window and i just got a cubano and Mm. i decided that you could eat it outside but i decided i'm gonna walk home and i'm gonna like make out with it Wow. How long of a walk is it from the, your Cuban spot like to your home? 10 minutes. Oh, it's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. I think part of it was just cause I was so hungry. Sure. So I would like to have it when I'm not so hungry, but it was just delicious and bread, like nice and like toasted, just the cheese, melty the ham, the pork, the pickle, perfectly mm. placed pickles. pickles it's a nice plantain at. chips. You love that. Mark Cuban. A nice size sandwich. I thought it was reasonably priced. 10 out of 10 experience. I got to check out your Cuban spot. I wonder how it compares to El Sanguich in Miami. Which also the thing with like the name, my Cuban spot, like I don't, I don't feel like I've, I've not gone there close to enough to take any sort of ownership over it. But it is your Cuban spot now. I know, which I don't, I feel uncomfortable about that. You got to embrace it. You just said it was one of your best sandwiches you ever had. It was very good. I think part of it was because I was the hungriest I'd been in a long time. It's like it's like almost. I mean, when you fast for Yom Kippur, and anything you have is. But it was very good. It was very good, but I was also very hungry. Sounds like they know what they got. They know that once you have it, they're gonna start calling it. You're gonna start calling it your Cuban spot. And sometimes when you're that starving, if the food doesn't kind of live up to how hungry you are, it kind of makes you angrier. Though I do agree, things will be more satiating when you're you're starving. Yeah, starving Williams. Yeah, but I had it. I mean, it was Shabbat. And you had pork was, on Shabbos? Yeah. You're a bad Jew. You were being a fat Jew. I was being Josh last name. Oshkosh Bagash. This is like last name's like Oshkosh Bagash. I would not rank him on my if I had a list of top Jews, I would not have the fat Jew on my, my top nine Jews. No. Would you? No. I wouldn't. No. He's not on my top nine. You already have a top nine Jews? I do. You want, should, we, should, we, should we rank them? Should we list we them should. out? We should. We're only 17 minutes in. It's pretty early. We're, We're absolutely zooming. 
Yeah. This is how the pod goes sometimes. We can't we can't filter ourselves. No filter. Instagram post. Yeah. So we're top nine Jews. We're ranking Jews. We can do this because we both hate Jews. No, we're both Jewish. And I we're gonna rank Jews. These could be any kind of Jew. Famous Jews, <laughs> local Jews, your your neighbor, a character. I I don't think I don't think I have any Jewish neighbors. You don't think you have any Jewish neighbors in Gowanus? It's like not a Jewish guy. Carol Garden, it's not a Jew. It's an Italian area. I'm sure there's Jews here, but I don't know. I think you should go door to door knocking on people's Lower East Side. There's plenty. Sure. Home of the Jew. This is the least Jewish neighborhood I've probably lived in in New York. And it's like the Lower East, basically like the Lower East Side and the Upper West Side. Those are like, you know. The story is not very Jewish either, obviously. It's very Greek and a lot of Arabs. So yeah, it's actually a hodgepodge, a lot of Asians, not a lot of Jews. So I wouldn't say any of the people in a story are on my list. Well, I'll tell you a story. Give me a little story. I'll, uh, I'll start my list. Please. Top nine Jews. My number nine in person, you probably, you probably don't know this person. Joe Flom is his name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just go, go on. I don't know why. Go on us. Go, go on us. Love this guy already. He is a famous lawyer. He it became a partner in the law. Well, I guess one of the biggest law firms in the world now, Skadden Arps. And there is a, I know of this person because I read this Malcolm Gladwell book and there's a chapter about him. And the book was Outliers, maybe. Chapter about him. And, you know, he went to, I think it was Harvard. I forget. He went to some good law school and then he went to work in law firms and like, they wouldn't really hire him. because You know how like law firms didn't hire Jews. I didn't, I had no idea about that. Yeah. Like they're, like they're invented the law. I, I mean, yeah, but there were like these, like a lot of these law firms were like white shoe law firms, you know, back when like mm. wasps ruled things and these like waspy law firms, a lot of them wouldn't hire Jews or there just was like a not, you know, like it wasn't like we don't hire Jews, but they were just like, the, you know, yeah, unwritten rule. Yeah. Um, so this guy did start doing mergers and acquisitions and got really, really good at them. And um, at that time, these like more prestigious law firms, they thought they were above that stuff. It was like, you know, considered like a little like, like uncouth to do those things. <laughs> but then in the 50s and 60s, it became like the most in demand thing as corporations you know became people obviously and then this guy was suddenly in demand he became a partner at this you know big law firm and he kind of was like okay well these you know this mainstream society is not gonna reject me i'm just gonna do my thing and get really good and then and then kind of just like win the game and now that law firm you know are they doing good things who knows i would well i would wager to say probably not so this but, is a bad Jew. No, this guy's this a good guy. Job. This guy, he just he just said society's not going to take care of me. I'm going to take care of myself. Wow, that's a ruthless Jew. Yeah, that's your number nine. Wow, baby, wow. ruthless. That's, that's, not, that's not where I thought you'd be going with this list. I said I like it. What's his name? Flom? Joe Flom. F L O M. Got a little phlegm in his neck. Yeah, throat. Let me do that again. He's got a little phlegm in his throat. It's a good one. That's a good one. Jacob I like how you repeated it. <laughs> Repeat Holmes. My number eight is Abraham. 
from the Bible, the, the from Abraham. the Torah, really. But we said not the Bible, the Torah. The Abraham, he's the first Jew. Without Abraham, you can't have anyone else. He's kind of nuts. I mean, he went to go sacrifice his son. I mean, pretty crazy. But he was the first some, one. You got some ruthless Jews <laughs> on your list. These are some hardcore Jews. Yeah. I mean, I number one, he they tried to have, at least this is what we were taught in Hebrew school. He was like trying to have a kid forever. And then it wasn't until like he and Sarah were 95 years old that they had a kid. Right. But you got to respect that. A lot of sex. I mean, that, that's God all, all day. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But then he brings his son Isaac to get sacrificed. And he's about to do it. He's going to do it. That's how committed to Judaism he is. But then God says, no, you can't do that. Yeah, a little, little hardcore. Abraham was like, uh, I remember him being very intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a legendary Jew all the time. We're still talking about him. It makes sense. He's not on my top nine, but I mean, he started, those... he started, the, he started the craze. <laughs> he sure did. He's one of those Jews. You, you, you continue to talk about, he holds up. Yeah. My number seven is Tony Kornheiser. Good Jew. The, now, now we're talking the journalist slash TV personality, Tony Listen Kornheiser, up. most known for part of the interruption he is witty, but he's, I feel like he embodies a lot of the characteristics of uh, second half of the 20th century Jews for a New Yorker, New York guy, but he's just, he's quick. He's quick. He kind of says what's on his mind, but he's also very thoughtful at the same time, which is a very mm. tough balance to, to thread. Sure. And he always seems to like to push the needle a little bit. It seems like if you went to any sort of dinner. It seems like he is very fluent in strong dinner table presence. I can see that. A cocktail hour, always always kind of dominating, telling stories. I, I think takes. he I think he could dominate when he wants, but I think he could also be a role player. Sure. He knows his role. Yeah. He's one of the few last remaining like people in sports who's like actually has like journalistic credibility. Yeah. So he doesn't go for the hot takes. I, I, I haven't watched PTI in a long time, but I, I watched it growing up. I would watch when I had cable. I would DVR it every day. Very entertaining, very witty, like you said, and informative. Always, I feel like always pretty... I feel like he's had a couple of scandals, but he's, he's managed to survive them. A couple of like un-PC probably comments. Yeah, yeah. Nothing too cray. Tony K. It's a good one. Lance, my number nine, we're talking top nine Jews. My number nine, you're not going to believe this. You might have not ever thought you would see this on my list i got amari stoudemire stat city lance amari stoudemire is a jew he converted to judaism about i want to say five years ago currently lives in israel dominating the israeli basketball league just probably the most athletic jew currently out there uh loved him on the knicks he kind of revamped the knicks when they were in a dark spot many years ago he was the first free agent to come over to New York City. I think that's where he first kind of embraced the Jewish culture. And the Jews kind of latched on to Amari. He wears a yarmulke every day, raises his children Jewish. You always see him praying, loving the high holidays. Amari Stoudemire, this is one heck of a Jew. Number nine. Yeah, that's a good one. I thought he was like a coach on the Nets now. You might be right. You might have came back. I think last season, or you might be right. He's in Brooklyn. He's a Brooklyn yeah. Jew now. Yeah. He, uh, 
he, yeah, he, I feel like he just embodies a lot of the ethos. He's, you know, he, he like lives in New York and Israel. What, how much more Jewish could you get? Yeah. Can't. When I think t- Jews, my first thought was Mari Stoudemire. Back me down to the post, the pick and roll with Steve Nash on the Phoenix Suns. What an athletic guy. Yeah, I would say that he's better at basketball than most Jews. But now he's Jewish. So but he still, not- he still is good. Although oh, yeah. he, did, he did have a lot of knee problems, which is pretty Jewish. Knee problems. He had back problems. End of his yeah. career on the Knicks. Very Jewish. But, yeah. My number eight, top nine Jews. I'm going John Stewart, Lance. Johnny Stew, The Daily Show, stand-up comedian, political activist. Heck, he, he was probably the first, like, kind of my introduction to politics was through The Daily Show, getting kind of, uh, it, it made politics in the news more digestible through humor, but also informative. Obviously slanted a little bit, a lot of it, but it was comedy at first. But he's very smart. What he's done for a lot of the, the 9-11 charities and the firemen have been very inspiring but a funny guy his interviews when he would kind of call out bill o'reilly or other debates he had a debate oh, with Adam carlson oh 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 riley riley's auto, auto shot <laughs> john stew was also the first live taping i went to in high school it might have been early college i went to a live taping of the daily show with two friends we saw john bolton u.s ambassador and it was a little bit of a testy interview and it was very, very cool to see. There's two clips of Jon Stewart that I, I like. One is, it's from like 2004, you know, the show Crossfire. Yeah. It's that's like a, some Tucker yeah, Carlson. Yeah, that one. Yeah. And he just like, it's like, you're, what are we doing like, here? He's like, you know what? You're, yeah. He's like, what are we doing? You know, you know what you're doing. It was great. And it still um, holds up. It's even still worse. Holds today. Up. And then, and yeah, it's kind of like, it was like the first of like the hot take shows. Yeah. And then he has, there's an interview with George Carlin from like the late nineties. That's really good. But John Stewart, I don't, I'm, I've never been like a huge John Stewart guy oh just because I think he plays the comedian card when it's convenient. And then he plays like the self-righteous card when it's convenient. And I feel like he, he actually has managed to juggle both. Cause I think he was, he's not in this era, you know, he, the daily show stopped in what 2013, 2014. So he kind of, he got out at the right time. I think. And I think that kind of shtick that he had made more sense in the two thousands, but it feels like at odds. Like if you watch him, you know, he was like in big daddy. Uh, right. And he, like, the, like the younger John Stewart, he's like playing this like leather jacket, tough guy. And just like a little, I mean, people evolve and grow up obviously, but ultimately the show was on comedy central. I think he came on after South. Park. Yeah. But then it became it a comedy show. Yeah, but then it, be, it became more of a new show. And I think it never, he never like, he was always like, it's just a comedy show. And it was not just a comedy show. It's probably ultimately bigger, but I think it was still yeah. like, was trying to get out, get jokes out. I don't think he was ever trying to like be a news show. I don't think so. But he, he ended up doing that just with his, he was obviously he's a really smart guy. And he, you know, they do these complex, thoughtful segments and it was, you know, it wasn't just comedy, but so I feel like Bill Maher now is probably more serious than the comedy show than the Daily Show used to be. I feel like the more if you his like opening monologue, he'll do jokes, but then he does pretty much straight interviews in that in the panel. You think it's marred by that? I think it is. It's great. 
Amari Stoudemire. If that silence wasn't there, it probably would have been stronger. But yeah, John Stu. My number seven, Lance. Wonder if you know this guy. You ever heard of the Jew Sussman Volk? No. Sussman Volk was the Jew who has been credited with inventing and bringing pastrami to New York. This guy, an Orthodox Jew from Lithuania, he immigrated to the United States and he opened a small butcher shop on Delancey Street, Delancey Parker. In 1888, he brought brought Jews and he brought pastrami and put it on rye bread and he changed the world, Lance. What a Jew. That's a good one. I feel like you didn't know this person before. I I was told about Sussman Volk before Abraham and Moses. The first thing in Hebrew school, we walked in with a little, little like one thin piece of pastrami on our, each one of our tables and said, this is because of Sussman. <laughs> you got Sussmanance. A lot of Sussmanance. Yeah. Would you say you like pastrami better? It's your favorite of the Jewish deli meats? Yeah. More than corned beef, though I probably have had more corned beef in my life just because pastrami is like rich and kind of can only have it a certain amount. But pastrami's flavor in one sitting is the number one. I think I would have it over brisket and corn. Yeah, I agree. I think the rankings go. The thing with corned beef is it's not uniquely Jewish. Like we can't really, I think like corned beef, I think more Irish. Yeah, yeah. But obviously you have it in in Jewish uh, cuisine. I would say the rankings in terms of taste. You have good brisket though, like that kind of like smoked deli brisket. Could be, yeah. It could be great, but pastrami number one for sure. Can't beat it with a pickle, yeah. Some mustard and rye, can't be beat. Sussman Volk, what a legend! <laughs> oh boy, my number six. <laughs> I think this one's gonna make you feel super good. It's Jonah Hill. <laughs> oh come on, Jonah. Yeah, I think he's like the modern. So one thing about Jews, like American Jews, there's a few different like waves of American Jewish immigration. You have the, I mean, I guess the like very early Jews in New York were from like South America. They're like from the like Spanish Inquisition and they like got kicked out and they went to South America. And then here, I think they're like the first, congregation of uh jews in new york like 1650 something and then peter stuyvesant the dutch governor wanted them out and then i think the dutch in the trading company said that they make too much money so that you can't kick them out i believe that's what it was anyway there really there really weren't many jews until like the 18 like 40s and they have like the german jews who were like more assimilated came and they were here, but then like really the waves came in like 1880s, right? That's when my guy Sussman came. Yeah, Sussman. Do you know like when your family came here? Pretty sure it was after the Holocaust on my dad's side. I'm not sure exactly when on my mom's side they came. Okay. Yeah. So for I mean for mine, it's just my dad's, and um they came like World War, like we're on World War One. Uh so and I think right, if you have people who came here like like the immigration is really from like, I mean, the big wave 1880 to like 1924, but then you had a bunch right after the Holocaust kind of around, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, probably stopping in like the sixties. And um, like you have like the first, all, the generations basically successively get less Jewish, more Americanized and for lack of a better word, more white. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Hill is like, I think our generation in which like, 
there's Jewish characteristics, but he's also like comfortable, you know, I don't know his upbringing, but I feel like he was probably, his parents probably were okay in terms of money. I, I had to guess. I don't know, but it just seemed like he had like, a, I get the sense or he plays characters, right. That have like comfortable upbringings, but there's still some sort of Jewishness maintained in his like personality and attitude and persona and neuroses. So, and he's, he's West coast. I don't know if he, I think he grew up on the West coast, right? He, like, Sounds right. I, feel, I feel like yeah. he had like some kind of family connections to like Dustin Hoffman, like his, I think he got dad. discovered. He like got discovered at some East village bar. Cause he like, he knew Dustin Hoffman's daughter or right. someone like that. Um, but uh, yeah, he's like West coast in vibe. And to me, that's like a specific person. It's like not, you know, you have like, not at all Jews, but a lot of Jews came to New York and then proceeded to like go everywhere else in the country. So the LA Jew is like almost like a different iteration, but it's the same thing. So to me, it's like kind of the evolution of Judaism and he like represents preserving something, but also he also, I mean, he's like really one of the, he's like the last, I feel like person who changed his name to avoid, I mean, his sister kept their last name Feldstein right, and right. He, he's Hill. So it's like almost like the last of that. I feel like now, I don't think people are doing that now. Not, not to like try to hide their Jewness. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I've, I, I waver back and forth on Jewish. I saw him on the street. I saw him on the street once and he seemed like a nice guy on the street. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I think it's when I watched Superbad, I loved Superbad, but like it was almost like he reminded me too much of myself. So I hated him. Yeah. And everyone, everyone after the movie was like, was like oh, yo, Jonah Hill. And I hated that. So I have kind of like a bitter, sweet, I'm more of a Michael Sarah guy. Yeah. Symphony. I like Michael Sarah. I love Michael Sarah. I, feel like not, I, I don't think he's Jewish. No, definitely not. No. I identify with Michael Sarah a little bit. I do too. I'm Michael Sarah. You're Jonah Hill. My number five is uh, Sussman Spolk. Sussman. Sussman <laughs> Polk. This guy invented pastrami, Lanes. You got Sussman on your list? No, no. That's suspect. My number five is Leonard Cohen. Lenny. Musician, amazing voice. Uh, he, Montreal Jew. I love like the different, it's, I love, I talked about this once. There's this show that I would recommend to anybody called Family Business on Netflix. And it's about this French butcher, kosher butcher shop that they turn into like a weed speakeasy. But it, it made me realize like you have these enclaves of Jews throughout the world especially these like Jews that are like, not, you know, you're, you're Jewish, but you're also not like super, super, super Orthodox. So you're like, you're, you're having your own cultural way you're navigating the world and you have your community, but then you're also interacting with like modernity. Right. So like this kosher busher shop in this example was turning into a weed speakeasy to like get with the times basically but preserving the Judaism and Leonard Cohen, I feel like almost did that with music. And I don't know much about Jews in Montreal, except for the fact that when I went there, I was surprised at how, at least, I don't know, like this could just be a tourist's false perspective, but it seemed like the Jewish like stores and places were like more preserved than I thought they would be hmm. like, was it mile end, I think, or whatever the neighborhood was it like, it was more Jewish than I expected. I was expecting like the Lower East Side 
which is right. like only Jewish and like spirit basically. I mean, there's Katz's Deli, which is a tourist trap. I mean, Mile End had that. I forget the place of oh, Schwartz's. It was like kind of the Katz's, but I was I was surprised that, and I didn't really know much about Jews in Montreal, but Leonard Cohen, I think his music is like so unique, so like an expression. It's like a it's like a good artist who's who's expressing himself and writing songs in this interesting way. Also, it's just, it's just like cold weather music, which I feel like fits the Montreal vibe. I like to listen to Leonard Cohen in the winter. Wow. Not really a summer musician. But it, I'm not it feels very familiar like, with, with Stu Leonard Cohen. Is he, is it jazz? Everybody. You, you don't know Leonard Cohen? He's like, God. I definitely know the name. Like I definitely, definitely heard of him. I definitely knew he was Jewish. But I, and I'm sure I've heard his stuff. Yeah. I'm just not. It's like a the deepest. It's like a super deep voice. It's like, I wouldn't say it's like folk, but it's like kind of folkish. Okay. Nick folk. Folk uh, Sussman. Sussman folk. <laughs> yeah. Sussman Volk. Yeah. I definitely also. I've been to Montreal, but never went to the uh, the Jewish part. I've heard it's like it's very cool to walk around. Stu Leonard. My number four is Victor Frankel. You know Victor Frankel? I know Frankel's Deli in Greenpoint. <laughs> yeah, that, I've heard that place is a ripoff. I've just seen videos of it. I've never been on, never been there, but I've, they have good pastrami. It, I get the sense that it's a place that asks if you want your bagel toasted. Ooh. I could be wrong. That could be a, a, a deep, un, undeserved hit. But Victor Frankel, uh, Holocaust survivor, wrote the bo- a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Course. And I know, I know Victor yeah, Frankel. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the best books ever written. Uh, the, I think he, the inventor of logotherapy um, just talks about basically how to get through the worst thing that could ever happen to a human and does so in a way that's insightful and full of very deep and prescient observations and kind of gets the condition of, of man. And, you know, took the worst thing that could happen to someone and like was able to improve the lives of so many people through, uh, I read another, I actually, I never finished it, but I started, I was like halfway reading this book. It's like very dense. It's called another book you wrote called the doctor and the soul. And it's basically just about how doctors are trained technically to treat things, but that most people have like mental sicknesses and how do you train doctors to treat that? Um, so way, I think before his time in so many ways and, you know, someone like, I'm not like super versed in like psychology and, and that kind of, you know, realm, but I feel like Freud gets like a lot of credit for like revolutionizing things. But I feel like this guy, he was also Jewish, right? He was Jewish too. Yeah. But from the little I know about Viktor Frankl, it seems like the stuff he, to me, the stuff that he talked about seems like more, um, more more getting to making sure people are trying to get people to have purpose and be fulfilled and live like a good life love that that's a great great pick that's a that's a quality jew i just i, I definitely have heard of him i just looked him up great quote between stimulus and response there's a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom that's frank that's victor frank Oh. Nick Frank. Nick Frank was a high school basketball teammate of mine. Nathan's hot dog, Frank. That's Coney Frank. Allen. Let's be Frank. And and Frank. 
and Victor Anna Frankel. Frank. Wow, this is a Jewish episode. I wonder if people will like this. I feel like I think a few people will mention the good the menches, the honorable mention. If they don't mention it, they'll definitely be Meshugana. All right. They're gonna be crazy. My grandma used to call me Meshugana. I always thought she was calling me like a sugar, a sweetie pie. She was calling me crazy. Yeah, because you didn't use the Carmel app, right? Yeah. No limos. Carmel, New York. That was your number four? Indeed.com. I'm looking for a job, Lance, and my job is going to be not Steve. It's going to be Sandy. My number six is Sandy Koufax, Lance. What an athletic Jew again. The guy didn't pitch in the World Series because of Yom Kippur. That's a mensch. I remember growing up, always heard about Sandy Koufax, and whenever complain about a high holiday or like it's always oh yeah sandy koufax didn't pitch on yom kippur the guy was a, probably the best jewish baseball player for sure maybe the best jewish athlete outside of amari stoudemire um from bensonhurst brooklyn lance you know who else is from bensonhurst russell our boy russ so that not guy's jewish. not jewish but sandy and russ one and one and the same a couple of crazy guys. Sandy Koufax, number six. I don't have him on my list because I never watched him play. So I know, yeah, my family also would talk about him not. It was more than myth. It was more like a you. It was more like a you could do this. Right. Like you you you're not going to this if I like want to do something with my friends. Yeah. Like Sandy exactly. Koufax didn't pitch in the World Series. Exactly. Like every Jewish family said the same thing. Right. They all get. They had a meeting and said, "This is what we're going to say." It all worked out. It was more of the myth and the mystique. I feel like if I maybe if I watched him play, like saw him in real life, like you see Phil Jackson, it kind of would take away the mystique. Yeah. Just kidding. My number five, Lance, you might not have seen this coming. This guy was a character in a movie. It's Maury Ballstein. Maury Ballstein from Zoolander, played by the legendary Jerry Stiller. Maury Ballstein, rest in peace, Jerry Stiller, an iconic character on Seinfeld and King of Queens and in many movies including Zoolander, Maury Ballstein with the quote of the movie, I got a prostate the size of a honeydew and a head full of bad memories. It's time to set the record straight. The guy was dressed to impress, wearing a velour orange tracksuit, stole the movie. Jerry Stiller would steal every, every scene he was in. It's Maury Ballstein. What a, what a name for a character. Maury. Yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great pick. I appreciate it. Jerry Stiller, legendary guy, grew up on the yeah. Lower East Side. Amazing. And Classic Jew. Yeah, again, you kind of see the difference of generations between like Jerry Stiller and Ben Stiller. Sure. I mean, I guess Jerry Stiller had Ben Stiller. He must have been pretty old. Because what? It's, I feel like it's like a 45-year difference, maybe. Something like that, probably. I guess he wasn't super old. But yeah, just a different generation. I mean, uh, Jerry Stiller grew up Lower East Side. It wasn't the best neighborhood. Ben Stiller, Upper West Side. You know, mm-hmm. had the opportunities because of Jerry. Right. You know, we, we're getting we're getting soft. Still different success stories though. They're they're both. I mean, Ben is Ben could have been on my top nine Jews. I, I love a lot of his movies, but definitely very different. Different upbringing, like you said. But they're both Jerry and my guy Sussman, Lower East Side <laughs> Jews. Flat of pastrami. My number four, just edging out Maury Ballstein. I got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Lance. It was between RBG and Maury Ballstein for number four. And RBG edges out balls just by an inch. And that's from the balls itself. 
RBG, of course, rest in peace, the first Jewish woman on the Supreme Court, second female justice. I'm not reading this, Lance. This is all from memory. Just like Sussman Volk, I knew that guy. I mean, what, what can you say about RBG? Look up her Wikipedia. A lot of things for women's rights. Her ability just to, to fight through all the different prejudices that women had during the time in the 70s and the 60s before then. Legendary. RBG. Yeah, I mean, going, she was another lawyer, right? Who, yeah. like, the law world, I mean, because she was a woman, would be like, we're like, no. Right. Even though she was woman obviously smarter. Jewish. Yeah, even though she's obviously smarter than everyone else. Uh, yeah, it's a, a great one. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Kate McKinnon did a great RBG, too. I loved, I loved her uh, SNL skits and bits. I don't have her on mine. I thought about it, but I have never had like a strong personal. I didn't know her. You know her personally? No. All right. You know what Drode likes to say? Who is the um, Scalia? Is that the guy, the conservative sure. guy? Sure. Drode will say this like once every like few times. Mm-hmm. He's like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Scalia couldn't be. They were totally different in their politics, but they got along. And that's what, and he just like always oh, said that. And he's like, what do you think about that? I was like, I have no opinion. I don't care. That's fair. Great. I'll, I like that. I like that he, he hit that in your court, wanted to get your perspective. He keeps hitting in my court. I think he wants me to be like, Scalia is terrible, but I don't, I don't know. The, I don't know these people. I mean, he was, his politics are terrible, but I agree. As humans, and they're on the same court, they got to shake hands. Yeah, I'm like, why, why are you putting this in my court? This is not a game. He's trying to get an ace. He's, he's, trying, to he's, trying, to, he's always trying to get a reaction. <laughs> I love it. I love a provocateur. You remember, that was your number four? I really don't know my three through one in terms of the order. You're going to have to. You're going to have to know it. All right. So my this number is going th- down in history as your top nine Jews. <laughs> my number three is Queen Esther. <laughs> Queen Esther from Purim. I don't like that. I think Mordecai is the hero of a quick, quick story of Purim. You could, if you don't know it, Jesse you could chime in if I'm mistaken at all. Uh, there's this King of Persia, King Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, something like that. Okay. He's like a drunk, right? He's like a, as far as what I was told, shitty guy, his wife, Queen Bashti, like said something that he didn't like and had her killed. Classic story from the Torah. Sure. Then King Ahasuerus said, I need a new queen. So he had some sort of pageant to, yeah, determine, pimp, yeah. to determine who was the uh, the queen. And he chose Esther. Almost like a, a modern day bachelorette. Basically the bachelorette. bachelorette. Yeah. 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 Gave a rose to Esther. Uh, King Ahasuerus, however, had this advisor, Haman. Boom. <laughs> who was an evil guy and he hated Jews. Think and... about pod nemesis, Eric Seidel. Then you think of Haman. <laughs> so, oh, I forgot that was a meal prep. I forgot. We'll talk about it after this. Okay. Haman wanted Ooh. to, oh, I mean, there must've been something more, but the story we were told is just that he wanted to kill all the Jews. Yeah. That's, I, mean, that's, 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 I mean, I guess that's a lot of it's history. Pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. So he had some sort of like, uh, you know, that game categories where you have that like 20 sided die. Yeah. 
yeah. had like one of those and he rolled it to for a day that uh king of Hashverosh would have to kill all the jews and then esther was jewish but she didn't reveal harm because you know they didn't like jews so esther had a co- brother cousin some family member I think, it was a cousin. I think cousin i think it was a cousin mordecai who said you have to tell the king that you're jewish because if you do then he'll spare us and then she was like well i don't know because then he might have me killed and you know i could advance my career if i don't if you know i had my judaism and he said no you got to so she did and then instead of killing the jews he killed Haman. and i think it just takes a lot of a lot of guts you know it's like obviously in history it's like oh this is clearly the right thing to do but when people are in these situations, they don't know. A lot of times people think about themselves. And she did not. And Mordecai, you know, he, he gets the credit as the hero, but he didn't do anything. I, he was just acting in his own self-interest, which obviously, you know, he, we don't want to be killed. He was still an advocate. He pushed Esther to make He pushed advocate. Esther. But Esther was the one with the cojones. Esther made her. Yeah. She had her own agency. She made the choice. Yeah. So I feel like it get, she gets overshadowed in that regard and you got to give it up for esther because a lot of people you know they they don't uh they they don't keep their judaism right i think one of my first crushes was on esther i feel like in hebrew school and they would show her in the books she was always a cutie patootie yeah 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 the name esther would always be like esther's a good name esther good name yeah it's a solid one so I don't know about my number two and my number one. Oh, I'm going to say, all right. So this, I'm is, say, this is a Jewish move. This is just overthinking it. Yeah. This is a Jewish. Maybe. I'm going to say my number two is Don Rickles. Wow. I love that. And love that. it could be number one, but number two, just because it's like, I view Don Rickles as a very firmly 20th century person. Wow. And to me, this is of like, he goes, I have this bit about, but he he's Jewish. He's Jewish. He I, like that's his identity, and he really is in in every way. Um, like he, you know, Jews over time becoming just more assimilated and, and more white, and he, I think, was just clearly in every regard just like Jewish, and he exemplified. He was like, well, obviously, he was very quick, very witty. But he was able to talk to people in this way, you know, that was like he would just destroy people with words, but also do it in a way that, you know, he's Mr. Warmth. <laughs> I, I definitely, I, I loved it. I, I, but I feel like he would not have been, uh, he wouldn't survive today's culture. No, but he would, he would adapt. Great. He would adapt because he is the, he's someone who is able to clearly like identify where you can and cannot he would cross the line but he would be able to do oh, yeah. it in his in his in his shtick and i think he would just adjust um i think or that or double just, down which would be even funnier him just go like the other way which i would i don't think he would because he there was like always humanity behind it seemed at least and that's what everyone says right all you hear always like you know he was vicious and he made fun of everyone but but he you know it was just out of like this is like the more you make fun of someone, the more respect, you know, it's like a weird, it's a weird thing. And it's almost, I think like, 
hard to comprehend now because we've moved so far away from that as a society. And I think a lot of it is because like, right. When you just listen, when you just look at the words and, and people say this about all comedians, but if you just look at the words, it sounds horrendous, right? It's like the worst stuff, but that doesn't take into account the, uh, the body language, the tone, the posture, yeah. eye contact, all this stuff, which like there is something very strong and, and something that brings people like making fun, like ribbing people. I mean, it's not that Jews are the only people who do this, but it is like a very Jewish thing to just like mercilessly make fun of people. The more you respect someone, the more you make fun of them. Interesting. I, I definitely love a good love watching a good ribbing. I love I love old Don Rickles videos, him on like Letterman and Johnny Carson. Unbelievable, so quick. Yeah, that's my number two, and then my number one. You're not going to see this coming, I don't think. And I really didn't see this coming, but then I made the list, and I was like, this makes sense. It's Jason Alexander. <laughs> I even know he was Jewish. Oh yeah, he he's your number name. one. He changed his name from like J- Jason something more Jewish. Wow. Wow. Even though he was Jewish, he like, I feel like, so this is to me what like the modern Jew more is and maybe even less so now, like he's even like a little older than us, but just like so focused on the minutia, just like Mm -hmm. analyzing the minutia nonstop. Um, It's, uh, I just think it's like, he's the embodiment to me of like modern Jew where like you don't have as many existential problems as we used to have as a people. I mean, I think the most existential problem we have now is like assimilating in, in America, at least assimilating to the point of like not non, uh, you know, having the culture totally diluted, which is a problem that, or just not a problem, but just an issue that every culture has, but he maintains it through, I mean, I'm just really thinking of George Costanza, which right. I guess like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which like, but to me, that just is like, I don't know, just like talking about like, like the angle at which you like put your spoon for soup. It's just like, it's so Jewish. I feel, I feel like you're, you're, you should be having Larry David, not Jason No, Alexander. because Larry David is like a meme at this point. I think he's like but so- Larry David, Jason mis- Alexander's character was- I know, I know. Based but on I Larry think, David. I know, but I think George Costanza uh, embodies what I'm talking about in like a more curious way as opposed to a misanthropic way. And I like that interpretation a little bit better. I love it. But I love it also. Larry David's my number three. That's literally what you said would, would be what I said. Those little obscures. They're little. They're little QABs. It's the list, and <laughs> yeah, I'll say this. QABs. It's the these little things. It, it's the the funniest. It's the most relatable way. And I feel like Jews are very good at kind of pointing that out and kind Pointing of like, in on the minutia and yeah. blowing it up to like something existential. Some, People find it annoying. Like I, I think if you watch Curb too much, or some episodes can be found annoying because it's like, just like a lot of complaining. But it's also hilarious. These little, these little minutia. It's it's the funniest stuff. Rather than like big, like you know, political or existential stuff. I, I love the the smaller the better. Yeah, I agree. It's more it's it's more personal. Sus, and then my number one is Sussman. Sussman. Sussman Turner Overdrive. Next time you have a bite of pastrami, you're gonna think of my guy Sussman. All right, my number three was Larry David. Pretty much just talked about it. Just the, the QAB master and how comfortable he was 
with like being himself and 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 like the, all all the stories about like he when he was writing for SNL he quit because he didn't get anything on and then he like went back he, he quit on a Friday and then just went back on a Monday acting like he never quit like just just because he like was overthinking it of why he quit and it just an absolute legend I I love his interviews like. Is like YouTube. If you look up YouTube, like just interviews that he has with people, and he's not as like the character he is on Curb. You kind of see. I think you would like the Larry Davis not memed on Curb, kind of just his normal self. He's much more relatable that way. I do like the idea of like moving from LA to New York just to like get out of a commitment. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. It's genius. Who basically genius is my number bar. two? Apple Bar. William Barr. Genius is my number two. This guy's last name is basically equivalent to genius. Lance, it's Albert Einstein. What a Jew this guy was. Literally, you say, I just want Einstein. It's like calling somebody a genius. I mean, it's, it's hard for a Jew to top that. Time, space, theoretical relativity. This guy was pretty smart, Lance. Had a good brain for a Jew. Number two. Yeah, not really a science guy, so. I'm big on science. No one even knows what E equals MC squared means. I feel like you just you could have just made it up. He did make it up. And that's imagination. Bill Nye the science guy. I mean, the guy had crazy hair. The guy the guy looked wacky. The guy looked like he was a lunatic, but he was Albert Einstein. Yeah. What a Jew. You're anti-Albert. You have Jason anti-Albert. Alexander, <laughs> which, you, which you meant to have Larry David, and you didn't even have Sussman Volk. I didn't have Sussman Volk. That was on me. On you. All right. And then my number one is my, it's not to, I loved all of my, my grandparents. So they made them all rest in peace. They were all Jews and they all influenced my Jewish culture. They loved them all equally. But my number one is my grandma, Anita, the father's mother. She was on Schindler's List, survivor of the Holocaust, only person from her family to survive. Um, just that alone is an iconic Jew. But my experience with her growing up left an undeniable impression on me. Her matzo ball soup. I feel like she kind of, she was my window into Jewish culture. Talking Yiddish, call me Meshugana. Just like overly trying to push food on you whenever you're with her. Just the classic Jewish grandma. Always loving, unconditional love. The number one Jew, my grandma Anita. Yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. Can't beat that. No. Did she speak a lot of Yiddish? Yeah, I remember her speaking a lot of Yiddish. I was very young. I think she passed away when I was, I want to say sixth grade or seventh grade. Okay. But um, yeah. And she like spoke Yiddish before English, right? maybe? Uh, she was from Poland, but I think she would talk kind of, kind of Yiddish, like not like uh, fluently. But, like, I remember to her and my dad and my uncle, they would kind of all kind of have certain terms that they would say. Yeah, yeah. Like my, yeah, 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 Kvetch. My, like my grandparents, you know, their parents came. So like they were the, what, second generation or whatever. So like they would like say Yiddish words, but they didn't like really speak Yiddish. I think that was similar. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I kind of wish, not wish, I mean, it is what it is, but like, you know, it just fades away. Like my, my parents, you know, there's like a handful of Yiddish words that they'll use. And you know, me, I'm just doing bits. Slinging bits. Yeah. My dad will say we'll throw out some Yiddish words from yeah. time to time. Solid Jews. A lot of a lot of good Jews out there. One thing: Would you have had 
Woody Allen if it wasn't for <sighs> him being Woody Allen? Jesus. Jesus. Great question, Lance. Heck of a, I mean, you can't, how do I answer that? Would I have had Woody Allen if he wasn't Woody Allen? If he wasn't doing Woody Allen stuff? Yeah. Woody Allen definitely would have been a top nine due to me probably four years ago, five years ago. I didn't see the documentary. I uh, didn't, I mean, I don't, uh, I don't have a hard stance. Put you on the I, spot. What's your take? Say the right thing or you're done. You're done. My, my, I'll take you to my Cuban spot and get a good <laughs> Cubano. But if you put me on the spot, I'll lean towards trusting uh, his daughter and his son's story rather than him. But he also made pretty amazing his movies. Other daughter. The one that he married? Yeah. Sun Yi. They are still together. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, I, um, I just like actually never really watched. Growing up, I never saw any of his movies. Uh, I binged. I binged a whole bunch all in like one year. I watched Annie Hall, and which was good, but I didn't like think it was like great. It it changed and my then, changed my world. And then I watched um, what's it called? Uh, Blue Jasmine. Mm-hmm. That was all right. That one was good. That one I Midnight, liked better. Midnight in Paris. I feel like you like it. that. I feel like you would love that. Those are the only two I've watched. But anyway, so like Annie Hall, I feel like I like consumed enough people who were influenced by Woody Allen that when mm. I watched right. that, I was like, oh, I've seen this before. Right. Which is right. that it's like kind of interesting. But at the time it was very original. But once yeah, we got yeah. to it, it was like it was like you've seen versions of this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, we got the predictions. This is gonna be a I would say for Phil Jackson, if he gets more than one, it's a great success. How are you going to predict oh, my, my top nine Jews? Kate said that this was a very tough one. I'll read Phil Jackson's. Phil says, our chefs can't rank themselves, but let me be the first one to say these two comedic artisans are some of my favorite Jews. Spoil me, Phil. You know, Phil is half Jewish. His mother's Jewish. Something seems fairly ironic about making a list of Jews, but this seems like a list you'd want to see your name on. Easy, Phil. You making this about the Holocaust? <laughs> I just said my grandma survived the Holocaust. She was on Schindler's list. Why are you trying to list me out, Phil? Show list. Take it easy, Phil. You should be Jewish. Phil's mother's Jewish. Wasn't raised it. Speaking on behalf of my own complicated religious background. In it, Phil. It's a true mitzvah to predict this list. What a mensch. <laughs> While our Jewish foods list didn't even make the air. Oy vey. This seems like the perfect chance to dive deep into the Hebrew heroes who've inspired us. Oh, it's a bubble. Oh, you vault. Dip me into some locks and get the rabbi's blessing because this list is certifiably kosher. Shabbat shalom. Without, any, fu- without any further ado, here's who impresses Jess. L'chaim, Phil. Adam Sandler. He was in my top 15. It was like between him and John Stewart, I was flip flopping. Don Hanukkah Rickles. song is legendary. Don Rickles is also a good one. Andy Sandberg. I was actually thinking also, he's not a top nine Jew. He's like a top 50. Mac Miller. Ooh, pulling on my heartstrings. I don't think of him as a Jew, even though I probably loved him more because he was like a white Jewish rapper. I have a thing for white Jewish rappers. I love Mac Miller. I didn't, that's, I should have had him. That's, that's, that spawned me. I should have had him. In this one, I'm surprised you didn't have Will Dickey, a.k.a. Dave Bird. (laughs) 
another great one, like a modern day, almost Larry David-ish kind of, didn't even think about him either. It's a great call, Phil. This is, this is on me. I can't get mad at it. I know he's going to probably have a couple more that are out of left field. I hope they are interested. Zoe Kravitz. Oh no, Phil. <laughs> didn't even know she was Jewish though. Of course, Lenny Kravitz is Jewish. Why would I have Zoe? I'd rather have Lenny. Phil loves Zoe Kravitz. Phil's big on Zoe. She's not, I would not have had room. Imagine I had Zoe Kravitz on my top nine Jews. Easy, Phil Ray Donovan. Bonus, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I'm anti Jeff Goldblum. He rubbed me the wrong way. Very pompous. Same. Kind of I agree. People, people love him. And I'm like, he's just like always like rubbing a cat. He's arrogant. Yeah. His whole like weird, creepy demeanor is supposed to be like funny. I find it very off putting. Same. Wow. We're on the same page. Our opinion is in full Goldblum. John Marco Ceresi, though, does a good Jeff Goldblum impression. I'll say that. It's my favorite comment. KP, Kate Parker comes in with a some predictions. What a broad topic. I have truly no idea what way my favorite Jewish person is going to go with this one, oh. but here are some LPPs. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay. Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. Albert Einstein. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is this is this is tough because I believe Kate is in the room while Lance is reacting, and it's not no, going she's great. Like in, she's in the other room, I think, listening to something. Okay, same. I mean, if Kate was predicting my list, she would have <laughs> she would be knocking out of the park. She's got Sandy Koufax. Nope. Steven Spielberg. No, nope. I don't even think I've seen that movie that he's. You haven't uh, seen that's... a Steven Spielberg movie? <laughs> I don't think so. Hold on, no, 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 no. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You have. We gotta. I gotta pull up. Yeah, pull it you up. Not seen one Steven Spielberg movie. I don't think so. Steven Private Ryan. Nope. Schindler's List. Nope. Oh boy. Uh, hold on. Just, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jurassic Park. Nope. What? Munich. Nope. Indiana Jones? Nope. Jaws? Nope. Hook? <laughs> no. Catch Me If You Can? Minority Report? Nope. Men in Black? No, I don't think so. No. Band of Brothers? Nope. Lincoln? Oh, I, I, did, I did see that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> wow. It's all Lincoln. Thank goodness. He's got one on the one on the board. <laughs> then Ellie, Ellie Wiesel and Adam Sandler. I thought about Ellie Wiesel, but I went with Victor Frankel instead. Classic. Thank you very much for the predictions, Kate and Phil. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's the clip, by the way. It <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Uh, I want to do a meal prep before we were talking last week. You were talking about the Olympics. You were watching it. Yeah. Number one, I actually tried to watch it this weekend. I turned it on. I was eating lunch. I think I was eating this Cubano or no, it was maybe the day after, but I turned it on. It said there was badminton. So I was like, Oh, I like badminton. Hmm. But then it was field hockey, men's field hockey, which they're like going nuts. They, it was great. But I was like, I can't watch this. And then I switched to women's volleyball and it was like kind of boring and then I love women's volleyball 
And then I switched it to tennis and I was like, oh, this is cool. But then it was the gold medal, both tennis players I had never heard of. And the commentator was just talking about like one of the tennis players brother the whole time. And I was like, this, is this like an amateur scoring event? And I just turned it off. You just, it was unwatchable. You kind, of, you kind of went through the worst possible sports to watch during the Olympics. That's what was on when I, get when I turned it on. Surprised you're not watching at least the, the soccer. The no, no one, no one is uh, playing in it. But I thought USA just beat Mexico. Yeah, no one's good. No one good is playing in it. Well, most people. But wow. anyway, what was I going to say? Anyway, you love the Olympics, and it's probably because <laughs> never said the, I love the Olympics. One of the Olympians is named Seidel, badminton player. That guy's from Germany. You were a big, uh, a big Olympian. You were talking about how great the Olympics All are. All I said was I Seidel's I, in the Olympics. I know what you're trying to do. I see where you're coming from. I love Seidel. I love to hate him. And if he was in the Olympics, I would support him. And it makes sense he's on that German team. You know, on this episode, we're ranking top nine Jews. I'm not a huge Olympic guy. I watched one thing with the girls skateboarding, and I was inspired by it. And at my you gym, they're the playing Olympics. it. I think it's – I like the storylines. I get captivated. I'm, I'm, I think the Simone Biles story is reveal parming a lot of uh, interesting takes. It's interesting. I haven't really like been following it that much, but to me, it's like um, the media just goes nuts and they just turn it into a field day of like, you know, take land. And it's like, not even about the person. It's just like, it's, you know, the media is awful. It's ruthless. It's Ruth it Bader. Ruthless. All right. We'll get into some quabs. Let's do it. I got a quickie. I got a nest quickie cat quab. I'm not going to name any names, but it kind of irritated me. We were both at the comedy shop this past weekend. This guy was hosting the 8P on Saturday. I was not on the 8P. was on the 10P, Arizona. 8P, I'm hanging and banging, and I'm on my phone. And this comic, this just reminds me of like, I feel like if we talk about this, I hate 95% of comics. We're just maniacs. This guy rushes off stage, doesn't even say hi to me. He gets in my face and goes, yo, Google AHS. And and, and says it because I'm like on my phone. Apparently, like somebody heckled him, like saying that she works for the AHS. Oh, yeah. I'm just on my phone and he like alpha mails me. He like gets in my grills like, yo, Google AHS. A part of me wanted to be like, like no, um, you, this guy didn't even like. All I need is a pound. Just say say hello. I don't know. This is just quab. So like, some people are so like in their own head. Like, like why? I I, I googled AHS. I wasn't. I did it kind of passive aggressively. Passive aggressively, but yeah, it just that that's my biggest quab. Crazy comedians just being obnoxious. Sorry, I had to d- deal with that. David, deal. You got to deal with it more. I don't know how you handle I, it. I don't know how I do either. I don't. I just go into the back room and sit there. Yeah. I, I, I was just sitting there. And you, you get lambasted. Yeah. Lance Bass. My QAB. So you could let me know if it's bond me or not. Or it's just, it's kind of more of a funny story than a QAB. So. We had a, it was like, I don't know, within a month of moving in, the, our above neighbor's sink 
there's like a pipe messed up. So it ended up leaking into our kitchen and there was like actually like a, a kind of a, there's like a crack in the ceiling and like a little bit of a bubble. We were afraid it was going to like cave. It ended up being totally fine. So we fixed it, but there's just basically this like above our kitchen, this like small crack. That's like really not a big deal. Like our, the contractor guy who like does stuff for the house and the other apartments that the our landlord's own, he was like, I'm going to, I'll fix it. And I, we didn't, I didn't really don't care. It's we're renting, you know, it's not our, but he like, came to look at it and then nothing ever happened. Uh, so fast forward a few months and I told you, I went to switch, I changed the light bulbs and the light fixtures and the one above our bed, I was a little bit nervous about because I noticed there was like a, like a little crack, like above one of them. And I was like, is this totally stable? And I had him look at it and it's totally fine. But then he's like, I'm going to fix the ceiling, the ceiling above the sink. So he says he can come Friday. He texts me Friday at one and is like, I'm going to be there in an hour and a half. I'm like, okay. And I was like, oh, I want to go on a run, but whatever. I'll just wait for him to come. And, and then I'll, you know, I'll go on a run later. 2.30 comes by, doesn't come. I think at like three, he's like, hey, I'm heading over now. And at this point, I'm like, all right, I wanted to set some boundaries because I don't want to be staying here forever. So I said, all right, no problem. Just uh, I want to let you know I'm, I got to leave by 5.15. Wow, that's a, that's a big boundary. So it's a big, it's a big boundary. Because I actually didn't also didn't know how long it would take. Sure. I thought it might take, it could take like 45 minutes. I really didn't know. Um, First take. So then he calls me again. Or I, I call him. It's like 4.45 and I call him. Basically being like, I because I, I, I really don't care about this. Wait, like, so, really yeah, yeah. What, what, what time are you calling? 4.45. Still not here. Jesus. And I call him because I really don't care. He's like, I think he's like thinking that like we really want it fixed. And I could, I could care less. I mean, Kate probably wants to fix more than me, but it's really not a big deal at all. So I call him and I'm like, just kind of wondering where he is. And he's like, he, he says like the cross streets, which I think were like Bay Ridge, which were like, it was pretty far. Um, and I'm like, I got to leave at 5.15. Cause I'm just like committing to, I don't have to leave at 5.15, but I'm just committing to it at this point. Yeah, you already said it. Yeah. Um, so he was like, I'll definitely be there by 5.15. Uh, be there by 5.15. <laughs> so... I 515 comes and I'm like, I'm just going to go for a walk or something because I don't, I'm just, I got to commit. So he gets like, I'm walking out and he, he pulls up with the truck and I'm just like, I gotta, I gotta go. Oh, but like, no. I was like, you could, I was like, I, like, but I was like, you could go in the doors unlocked. No problem. He's like, all right. So I just ended up walking to the lantern all the way to the lantern. <laughs> Kate's not home. Kate was not home. Kate was Kate was gone for the weekend. She went to New Way for Yersi. The faraway land. Yeah. So anyway, this requires apparently three coats. He did the first one, but like all the stuff's still here. Oh. So who knows when it's gonna get? Uh, I mean, it's not. It's in our hallway. It's not in our apartment. So, um, but yeah, I just thought it was kind of a fun thing to share. I actually I like really like being committed to it. I really like the guy. I think he's a really nice guy and I think he does a good job it seems, but just like, you know, I feel like all, well, not all, but I feel like a lot of contractor, I, I, I know just from like the people my parents have had 
It's like always seems to just like just say you can't. Like, I don't. I, I really did not care. I like I like a commit to the time. I had to commit. I'm glad they let him up though. You could have also been like, yeah, you can't. I didn't. Go up I, I didn't want. I, 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 I gotta get out of here. And and you obviously trust him enough to be in your apartment alone. He wasn't skimming through your. Uh, no, no, he's like. Checkbook. I mean, I know he. He's. Uh, I don't have a checkbook. I don't think. No, I have skimming checks. through your, your underwear no, drawers. He can do that. That's fine. All right. No, I, I trust him. He's a. I think he. You know, he works for. He like does all these buildings, and he would. Yeah, you know, but. Um, just like. I, you know. It would stress it's, me it's out. A, it's more. a. It's a wild time range. I'm like, you didn't even have to. I'm like, but I'm no. like, you didn't even have to text me. You could have just said, "This right. is when I'm coming." like when you were 10 minutes away and then it either would have worked or it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. It would stress me out more knowing somebody was waiting for me during that time. If like I told somebody I was coming at three well, exactly. and I by five, I would be exactly. like, I'm, someone is actively waiting for me for it, many hours. Yeah. That, that so yeah, it's, it, it's just interesting. Yeah. It's a quap. Yep. Solid epi. Solid epi. Bring it, should we bring in Mariano Rivera? Let's do it. And what? A do. I want two, three, four. Very nice. Episode eighty-eight in the books, Lance. You got an in, in the plug in the five books of the Torah. The four questions. I don't have anything to plug. Yasiel plug. Nothing. You had zip. You had zilch. Yep. Todd Zilch. All I got to say is thank you very much to Brazerbacks for listening. Subscribe to the Patreon if you want to support the Pod Kitchen. Or at the very least, just send us a question. Send us something you think would make us, uh, you know, talk. Because we need to talk on this talk show. We've been talking. We have been talking. Talking and walking. Yeah, that's it. All right. Peace. Peace.